Hey, Frater RC here. Thanks for a lot for listening. And here's some highlights from the interview with Dr. Puka, including a bonus segment that I snipped from the patron section. Don't tell them. Uh, but it's a really important segment. So I've included it here in the second half. Uh, some highlights for you uh, to take with you. Enjoy. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was great. He's a he's a great speaker and a great writer. Um, but we also had private conversations, so I know how he thinks about these kind of matters. Yeah, um, well, that's why I was excited to ask you because after that religion <laughs> article, he wrote that article a few years back, and then he his new book is Hermetic Spirituality, and I was like, okay, he's yeah, yeah. Down. So we. We also had uh, private conversations about uh, this matter of religion and spirituality, and I think that he strongly believes that at the moment. Uh, for him, I, you know, in the conversation, in the conversations we've had, which is also mirrored in the interview on my YouTube channel, it was more uh, um, moving from using the term philosophy to using the word spirituality, as opposed to moving from using the term religion. Uh, to the term spirituality. So because what he was arguing is that the um, many of the practices that we call philosophy, especially when it comes to hermetic philosophy, they are actually hermetic spirituality. They are not philosophical, but um, they have been called philosophical because they have been um, made to appear more rational and less spiritual so that they could be more acceptable. They have also been Christianized. Uh, so the Corpus Hermeticum that we have, um, you know, the, the, the Hermetic texts that we have, you know, the ones that have survived, have survived because they were more acceptable to the um, Christian, um, you know, the, the Christian writers that uh, allowed for them to survive. And uh, some of those texts uh, were lost. And the, and many translations are either Christianized or, in fact, one of the things that I was talking about with Wouter is that he says that there is no good English translation of the Corpus Hermeticum. And he was, because um, this is, I was uh, about to do a, a Magus lecture because every month I do a lecture for my Magus and um, upper up, upper tiers um, level patrons, and I was uh, doing a I was planning to do a lecture on the Corpus Hermeticum and Hermetic texts and Hermetic spirituality with my patrons because they were very fascinated by my interview with Professor Hanegraaff. And uh, I contacted him uh, because I was wondering whether there was a good English translation that he would recommend, because one of my patrons also asked for that. Um, but he said that he doesn't think that there is a good English translation. And I was also saying that there was a conversation going on uh, on that in a <laughs> in a private social media uh, space. But um so yeah, the one that he he recommends a, a German version and um, a French translation, but um, there's possibly going to be a one a good one in English in the coming years. But yeah, I think that the the issue is that quite often um, you 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 know through the past since there has been, especially in the past, 
and now it is lessening, but there used to be a Christian hegemony, even when it comes to culture, then in order for things to be acceptable enough to survive, they needed to either resemble Christianity or a Christian um yeah the christian religion the christian mysticism in one way or another or they needed to be rationalized and resemble philosophy like you know greek philosophy for instance so um, these are one of the two things that have happened with hermetic texts so that's why he that's one of the reasons why he argues that he, you know it's now time to recognize and acknowledge the fact that it's not hermetic philosophy it's hermetic spirituality and i agree with him and i think that uh you know it's the, the time has come for uh this kind of acknowledgement because if you read the hermetic texts they are not really that philosophical they are very practice based yeah so they are i think that there are there are philosophical elements so there are i would say philosophical elements for sure but they are philosophical elements that are um geared toward you know the the, the reason why those philosophical elements are there are to be, are uh, because they want to be conducive to your to the spiritual practice of the reader of or the person that is trying to employ the things that are written in those texts so i agree with him that is more spirituality than it is philosophy and also there's the matter that uh calling it spirituality perhaps allows to broaden uh, religious studies as a scholarly field in universities. But I think that this is also happening to, in religious studies more generally around the world. So the, the category of religion has been challenged by many religious studies scholars. So even those outside of historicism, religious studies scholars have challenged the category of religion. They have okay. uh, highlighted, they have highlighted the fact that religion is not just you know, the so-called world religions, and it's not just uh, religions that resemble a certain structure, mainly a monotheistic kind of structure, that religion is, you know, um, goes, you know, the, the category of religion should be more inclusive to the other religious forms that do not resemble that specific structure. So, yeah, I think that that's also important to highlight. This is a conversation that has been going on um, in religious studies for quite some time now. And now, a word from our sponsors. While we cannot control whether any ads get put in the spots allocated, we thank you for listening to those that do since they help keep this project alive. You can also get ad-free content and bonus content and videos and a private webpage by subscribing exclusively to magicwithoutfears.com for only a couple dollars a week or $6 a month or 50 for the year. It helps a lot, plus you get emails about other exclusive things. Thank you very much. See that more generally... What I find to be more exciting is that the field of the academic study of magic and historicism is probably, hopefully, going to grow. And I really, really hope that uh, the practitioner community will help us in that and help us fund us uh, to do the research that we, we need to do to make these religious phenomena known or spiritual phenomena known. 
um, and they need to be studied from an academic perspective. And that doesn't mean that the academic perspective is the right one or the one yeah. that practitioners should follow, because I think that there is a, a difference between a practitioner's, the practitioner's perspective and the academic perspective. But still, I think that uh, to also have that lens, the lens of the academic perspective can be useful. So a practitioner can learn a different way of looking at certain practice. If it is historical, then you get more um, knowledge on the history of a certain tradition. If it is more anthropological, you get um, more a better understanding of uh, how people live and practice a specific tradition. In any way, uh, I think that knowledge is always uh, important and is always something that can can do nothing but improve people's experience, even if they decide not to change anything in their practice. But I think that having that knowledge and having the the possibility to make a decision based on more information and more data is always much, much better. And for some practitioners, actually, it does change their practice a lot. And um, many practitioners also find value in the fact that academics are studying esotericism for the very fact that we are studying it because it is rejected knowledge, as Professor Hanegraaff has pointed out. And it is something that uh, now that it is entering academia, perhaps it will help practitioners to feel less rejected and more accepted. Yeah, the, I mean, that's definitely, I think, uh, a side effect of, of the academic study of, of these things. Um, and, you, and of course, we're all aware of how culture has changed, as we were talking earlier, um, from uh, Sabrina, the teenage witch, to, uh, you know, sexy actors talking Enochian on Supernatural, um, you know, uh, this is a, this is a thing now in, in mainstream culture. Um, there's even a 21st century mainstream pop, you know, famous magician in, in the form of, uh, Damien Eccles, who's in, I think is in many ways a sort of 21st century Alistair Crowley, at least with the, you know, sort of infamous backstory that he has. Of course, his was sort of thrust upon him, whereas Crowley had to manufacture it is, or maybe it grew out of trauma. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? Why was Crowley? Why did Crowley become the great beast? You're a great person to ask because you actually know a lot about Crowley and have done many videos on him. Why did he become the great beast? Do you think it developed out of trauma or do you think he was like on a mission from God or his true will to shake the world and bring Why it? Why Crowley became the beast? Do you think it was more a, a des, uh, him chasing a desire or running from a pain? Thanks for listening. If you stuck around to the end, uh, you might be interested in going to my Patreon, patreon.com hermetic podcast to get many more bonus videos and other content that are available there. Or you can join my free cyber guild at www.hermeticmysteryschool.com. And I uh, put a lot of stuff there, uh, especially for some of the tiers. I put everything, of course, and uh, teach every class uh, every week for the last two years. So lots going on. Come say hi or uh, drop me a note on Instagram, hermetic podcast, cheerio.